This is not a conventional episode of Talking Atlas. This is not a story about magic. This is a story about me. There's been a lot of social tumult recently in the magic community, and I really cannot get it out of my head. For those not in the social loop, a couple weeks ago, Christine Sprankle, who was pretty well known for her magic cosplay, said that she was quitting magic and quitting magic cosplay. And like many other people, I was floored because I said, what? Christine? She does incredible cosplay. She is so good at what she does, and it's clear that she has a huge passion for it. What happened? The answer, unfortunately, is that Christine was the victim of a lot of harassment and discrimination over a period of months, if not longer. And if I read correctly, a lot of that discrimination was sexism. It was a particular guy or particular group of people that were harassing her for being a girl or being a girl in magic. I I don't know the specifics. Christine wasn't the only person being harassed by these people, and certainly not the only person being harassed in general. So I've been thinking about this. I am someone who often has diversity and inclusivity and discrimination on my mind, largely because I'm pansexual and I'm transgender, male to female, trans feminine, trans girl, whatever term you want to use. That puts me in a couple of minorities. I am white, That is a form of discrimination that I personally don't need to worry about. And I strive to be as welcoming and inclusive and understanding as is humanly possible. I know that's what creates the best communities, and I really like building communities. I do it all the time in various forms. I'm kind of a a manager for my local metagame, planner. I really want everyone to be comfortable and not be discriminated against in a space that I am a part of, or in general, but it's harder to prevent the broad cases. One of my friends, who is extremely philosophical, very, very thoughtful person, talks about the problems that keep him up at night. And it's a, it's a short list of social or philosophical quandaries that he doesn't have an answer to, and I'm pretty sure he's not speaking totally hyperbolically when he says that it keeps him up at night. He knows these issues exist, he knows there aren't answers, and that's stressful. I think that this problem of inclusivity and discrimination is one that keeps me up at night. I don't think I had one before, but if I didn't, I do now. I don't know how to solve this. I don't know how to solve discrimination within the magic community. I don't know how to solve discrimination on any larger scale either. The US, the world. It happens in a lot of places, and I'm fortunate to be in a particular area of the world and in particular groups of people that I mostly don't need to worry about that. And so here we are. I don't have an answer, so I gotta do something, right? That's why I'm recording this very, very weird episode of Talking Atlas. I can't change the mind of a bigot. I can't take someone who is discriminating without cause, because there is no cause if it's discrimination, and show them the light. The one thing I can do that I've determined is I can provide my perspective, the perspective of one person with one set of experiences authentic to herself. 
I'm going to talk about many aspects of my life and my life being someone transgender. Consider it an exercise in empathy. I've been out as trans for a couple of years now, two years, maybe a bit more. But this story begins well before the present. This story begins on August 28th, 2011. This was the first day that I wrote an entry in my journal. I recorded, They say that the best camera is the one you have with you. I plan to operate off the same precept when it comes to journals. My phone is like my shadow. However, unlike my shadow, my phone can be used for typing and can remind me to write if I forget. This will be my third attempt at keeping a daily catalog of my life. I'm hoping that this one will be more successful than the last, and since I've actually invested some money in this one, I have an additional reason to believe that it will. I will use this journal for a variety of functions. I will record thoughts, quotes, daily happenings, dreams, the kind you have when you sleep, and likely dreams, the kind you plan for. So to you, my highly hypothetical future reader, I hope I can offer you at least some entertainment, if not a degree of insight. Of course, one wonders how you would obtain a copy of this text, but I guess you're hypothetical for a reason. Since this day, August 28th, 2011, I have been keeping a journal daily. I have written an entry every day. My word count has far and away surpassed the entire word count of War and Peace, or of the Harry Potter series, or a variety of other things. So there's a lot to draw from. If I want to see what I was thinking on a particular day, or what I was doing, or what I had for lunch, I can check that. I can quote that, even. And this journal will be kind of our guide today. I'm going to jump forward in time, and then jump back afterwards. I'm going to talk about coming out, since it's kind of a reasonable place to start anyway. In some ways, you really never stop coming out. When someone has an expectation of you or an expectation of society, sometimes you need to tell them that that expectation is incorrect. And we live in a society where the assumption is going to be that a person is cisgender, that is not transgender, and a person is straight. I've come out many times throughout my life and in many, many forms. I came out to friends, family, some of those on multiple occasions, and I came out publicly a couple of times. The second time I did this was on June 27th, 2016. I made a post on Facebook. I said, hey, everyone, so you know, I'm, I'm transgender. I you know, was assigned male. Turns out I'm a girl. One of my running jokes is I was raised to believe that I was a straight white cisgender male. Only one of those things is still true. And I felt that making a Facebook post like that was pretty important. The reason being that coming out as trans is not the same as coming out as gay. Not even close. In both cases, yes, you are correcting someone's assumption, really. But when you come out as gay, and I mean this in a very particular way, nothing really changes. The way that people see you might change. Maybe if you were pretty heavily closeted, you might then start feeling more comfortable interacting with, you know, the people that you find attractive and asking out people of genders that you find attractive. But that's really it. Coming out as gay is, hey, this is different than you think. Coming out as trans is a lot more involved because being trans is a lot more involved. For 
I would say 99% of trans people, not necessarily everyone, but most of them, you don't just say, hey, I'm trans, and then that's all you ever do. You might say, hey, I'm trans, and I am uncomfortable when you refer to me with this set of pronouns, so please use this set of pronouns. Or you might say, hey, I'm trans, please call me by my preferred name instead of my given name, or dead name as it's more traditionally called. Or as in my case, you may have said, hey, I'm trans. You can keep using he, him pronouns, but I'll probably change them later, and Bryce is still fine, and at some point I'll be taking hormones. Another big difference about being trans, there is a significant medical component for those who choose to pursue that. The most common medical component of being trans is what is known as hormone replacement therapy, or HRT. And it's kind of self-explanatory. If you are a person who is transfeminine, that is, you are a person assigned male and you are transitioning in a feminine direction, you know, your actual gender, you're actually a girl, you're likely to take a testosterone inhibitor as well as an estrogen. And if you are someone assigned female and you are actually a dude, then you're likely to take testosterone. Hormones are pretty impressive, and I'll cover that more in a little bit. But suffice to say, hormones do cause physical changes, and you can't hide those. That's a lot of what motivated me to come out in a quote-unquote publicly. A definition of public is left up to interpretation, but in this case it was, I said on social media, hey, I'm transgender, you're all allowed to know this, this is fine, anyone can know. It's no secret. After enough time on hormones, I would look physically different. Up to a point, you can hide that. But A, I didn't want to, and B, I did say up to a point. There does come a time where people would know, or they would say, hey, um, what's up with Bryce? You know, Bryce looks a lot different. And that doesn't usually happen to someone in their 20s. So June 27th, 2016 is when I came out again for the most public time. Jumping way back to February 5th, 2016. Okay, not way back, I lied. This was the day that I first saw a doctor to be prescribed hormones. There are a couple different processes by which one can usually obtain hormones in the United States. The quote-unquote conventional route is you go and see a therapist, you talk to them, you say, yeah, I'm trans, they go, yeah, you're trans, and they give you what's called a letter. It's essentially a holistic prescription. It's them saying, I recommend this person for HRT on the basis of these things they described to me. Also, here's some background about them. And the other route is what's known as informed consent. And you could go to a clinic that offers informed consent. You can say and sign, hey, I know the risks. I am transgender and I need these hormones. You know, I, I know this is the right course for me. And that's another way to get hormones. February 5th was that first visit for me. And it was weird. It was the culmination of a lot of questioning. Because we're, we're glossing over that figuring out one's gender, if you're not cisgender, is really, really hard. It's very confusing. And this is probably understandable. If you are cisgender, I want you to ask yourself, you know, how are you feeling today about your gender? Do you feel kind of like in tune with it? Do you feel kind of at odds with it? If you're cisgender, the answer is going to be, what? Because it's difficult for me to describe in such detail the sensations associated with realizing you're the wrong gender. 
it's just, it's just totally outside the experience of so many people. Now, I have analogies I can try, and I'll talk about some of that. Suffice to say, though, that it's a weird thing. It's really hard to suss out, especially in a society where we generally are told that we are our assigned gender, which is usually correct, but it's not always. There's a term used for the fundamental friction that uh, a person who is transgender or non-binary feels when there is some sort of disconnect between their actual gender and how they look or how they feel or how they interact with other people or how they see themselves. And that's called dysphoria. There are those different forms of dysphoria and there are different ways of responding to them. There are trans people who have exclusively social dysphoria. So that person might say, please use these pronouns in this name to refer to me, but might not care to pursue any medical intervention because it was only social things that were bothering them. And it's not like a, oh, grow a thicker skin, kind of, uh, you just need to deal with it. It's much more fundamental than that, dysphoria. Dysphoria isn't a thing that you can just man up and deal with. Part of the reason that it took me as long as it did to understand that I was trans is because I didn't have much in the way of conventional dysphoria. I had more of what a friend of mine termed gender euphoria. I had these weird fantasies for some reason in which I was a girl. And I really liked that idea. I was like, oh, that would be, that'd be awesome. That seems like it'd be way better than being a dude being a girl. And it turns out that if you're the sort of person who thinks those things, it's probably because you're a girl. And it sounds obvious in hindsight. And hindsight is always 2020. It took me a while to figure out. You hear a stereotype all the time about, oh, you know, I always knew from an early age it was, it was clear that I was the wrong gender or something like that. I can't say for certain, but in looking at my own experiences and the experiences of the dozens upon dozens of trans people that I've interacted with in person and online, I'm willing to bet that it's not even a majority of trans people that experience that, the whole I was born in the wrong body and knew from an early age. I think... It might be part stereotype, because as I said before, it's really hard to empathize with the idea of being transgender. So I suppose the extreme story is one that more people can attempt to wrap their heads around. I also think that it's a narrative that some trans people have felt like they had to adopt if they are being prevented from getting the care they need. There are some medical professionals who will gatekeep, who will prevent someone from getting the care they need because they're saying, oh, no, 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 no. You're clearly not trans enough. You're not trans. You're not trans enough. I can understand then people saying, well, if I tell this person, yeah, like I'm, I definitely feel more motivated. Like I, I'm made happier by the idea of being a girl as opposed to, yeah, I was always in the wrong body. I can see how that would be a possible solution to gatekeeping. Altogether, I didn't have a ton of dysphoria. On the day of my appointment, I said, if I were your average dysphoric trans person, I'd probably be elated absolutely unable to contain my excitement. As it stands, I'm coolly composed. The hope for a better future is still there, but the reality of those niggling doubts, those are as present as ever. Then again, I've had doubts before, been confused before, and that feeling that something isn't quite right has only grown stronger as the years passed. If I have a possible solution in hand, then it's high time I tried it. On February 7th, 2016, I took a selfie. And that's weird for me. I don't often take photos of myself. I have little occasion to. I certainly didn't back then. But for some reason on this particular day, I was compelled to. 
The picture is of me walking away from my apartment at the time. I have a very crisp haircut. My glasses are on, and because it's in a sunset and quite bright outside, they've started to tint darker as they do in brighter situations. The shadow is split pretty much directly across my face. I'm wearing a blue t-shirt and one of my favorite hoodies, a maroon sleeveless hoodie, which is not a practical piece of clothing, but damn, I love those things. And I'm kind of sticking my tongue out, not straight out like meh, more of an artist puts their thumb up to try to take the scale of something and also their tongue kind of is just poking out of their lips in a very flat shape. Pretty much that. I have no idea why I took this photo, but I did. 15 days later, I started on hormone replacement therapy, and I pretty quickly realized that I wanted to document my process. A lot of people do this. A lot of people will take photos of themselves throughout transition to see how far they've come. Also, outside of knowing your progress, it's just fascinating. Hormones are magic. They do so much. So to see that all laid out before you is really something. This photo happened to be the best photo of myself shortly before I started HRT. Then I took on a little bit of a project. Many people will try to take photos of themselves in the same spot, with the same lighting, all that stuff. And that's great for comparison, but I knew that it would be really difficult to get consistent photos, especially since I was wrapping up college, and I knew I'd be moving a couple times maybe, and I would need to create some kind of mount for my phone or else get a camera. It seemed like it would be a bit of an ordeal. And then I had an idea. The first day that I thought, I should take a photo, I handed it to a friend, actually to Jacob, to my co-host, because he happened to be over my apartment at the time. And I said, take a photo of me. Over the next couple days, weeks, months, and now years, I have been handing my phone to people that I meet or interact with that day. And I tell them, I want you to take a photo of me where you can, within reason, tell me what to do in the photo. And this has been really cool, both because it creates a very novel timeline, and also because it's a way of engaging people with my transition. I've already talked about that I like being a resource for people about what it's like to be trans, whether that person is cisgender or transgender. And this photography project is an excellent way of informing someone about what my life is like. On March 26th, 2016, the first episode of Talking Atlas was released. At this time, I was not yet totally publicly out as trans. I was only out in my kind of surrounding area in and around my school. And I had a weird choice. I didn't have to come out as trans on the podcast or indeed online. I didn't have much of a social media presence, I feel, at least not one that put me so front and center visually or vocally. So it would have been really easy to, I guess, pretend or to deliberately omit mention of me being trans. And because estrogen has no effect on voice, it's already been deepened too far by testosterone, it wasn't like I would start sounding any different unless I chose to speak differently, which, you know, can be done with enough practice. So I had a strange choice. Did I want to be publicly trans? And I thought on it for a little while. I certainly wouldn't do anything about it until I made a decision about how I was coming out to other people I knew that weren't in my area. On April 7th, 2016, Jacob and I recorded our fifth episode of Talking Atlas, an episode entitled Gender and Representation in Games. I write, 
The first podcast that Jacob and I recorded today was a bit heavier than our average fare. A recently released expansion to Baldur's Gate had an extremely minor character who reveals herself to be trans, and there were two primary reactions. The most vocal, sadly, were those bigoted minorities that can't process the existence of trans people. The more reasoned parties were commenting on this character's slightly shallow and probably unrealistic depiction. Jacob and I took this as an opportunity to discuss gender and representation in games, in general, and in Magic, in specific. When this episode came out, I still wasn't out as trans. In fact, I got a lovely and slightly amusing comment from a user saying, I've never heard two cis men discuss gender with such nuance. And I couldn't help but giggle myself, like, oh, if only you knew. So you can see that this whole representation, inclusivity thing goes back pretty far. On September 26th, 2016, I changed my pronouns. For most of my life, I was called a dude. He, him, sir, all that stuff. And this day was pretty rough for me. I had kind of an existential crisis. I was recently out of school. I was unemployed. I really didn't know where my future would take me. Not that I really do. I mean, none of us do. But I had a pretty unclear idea. And I vented a lot to my boyfriend that day. I um, cried some, which that was new. I wasn't able to cry before, but uh, hormones... Being on the right hormone is very good for your emotional health and for depth of emotion. So that was kind of cool, even if it was a rough day. And at some point during all this, this occurs. Recalling my earlier mention of dysphoria, my boyfriend asked if I'd like to change my pronouns. And I caught my stock answer in my throat. That stock answer being, no, but I think it's something I'll do eventually, just not right now. Instead, I nodded and said, yes, in private settings and small groups, sure, a slow rollout. So, he confirmed, you'd be my girlfriend then. I smiled a little. Yeah, I like the sound of that. On February 27th, 2017, I had a doctor's appointment. Not one related to hormones, very run-of-the-mill, hey, you should get this once every year or twice a year or so. And, well, I'll get to that in a moment. I've been told that I make a really good baby's first trans person, so to speak, because I am very, very chill. And I've already talked some about that I like informing people, and I'm kind of uniquely suited to do so. I'm very good at doing the talky-talky thing, hey, what we're doing right here, and I'm good at expressing abstract concepts, so I can talk about being trans really well. And because it's so hard to offend me, even better, you can ask a question that maybe might be ignorant, or maybe some people would find offensive, and I probably won't be offended. In all the time I've spent discussing gender and being transgender, I've developed what I call, in brief, Bryce's three tips and tricks for interacting with a trans person you just met. Yes, in brief, she says. The first one is, don't ask, but what's your real name? Because if a person has a preferred name, that is their real name. It doesn't matter what their dead name slash birth name slash given name is, what they choose to be called is their name. On a related note, number two, always use someone's preferred name and pronouns to refer to them, even if you are referring to them at a point before their transition. One of my biggest pet peeves is when someone uses a pronoun as a noun. So they would say something like, Bryce, back when, she, uh, back when she was a he, that riles me up so much. 
And also, it's kind of disrespectful. For a lot of trans people, they might not want to be reminded of what could be a very dark time in their lives. Or for someone who is uh, stealth, stealth is a term for you can pass as your, your gender, your preferred gender, and people don't even know you're trans. You haven't told them, and they, they can't guess, they can't know that. So that's especially bad for someone who wants to be stealth. If you, if you go and use their dead name or their previous pronouns, that's just inconsiderate because it's not up to you to determine who knows that person is trans. Now, on this day, I had a very routine medical appointment, and I had a new person helping me. I report. The medications on my sheet prompted some conversation about my transition, and while I did tell her the I'm disarmingly open bit but you can ask me pretty much anything, I felt kind of odd about how she edged into asking about my genitals twice. The second time, I explained that it's generally not something you should ask a trans person you just met, even if I would probably answer. That gets me to number three on my tips and tricks. Don't ask, have you had the surgery? Because it's always asked that way for some reason. I have some theories about this. My, my main theory is that people, as previously stated, don't really understand what it's like to be trans. So one of the first things they think of is, ah, some trans people get surgeries to have different genitals. And like, yes, some do choose that. But I will turn this question back on you. When, if ever, have you walked up to a cisgender individual, offered your hand, shook their hand, and then said, hey, what's in your pants? The answer, hopefully, is never. If the answer isn't never, you shouldn't do that. And if you wouldn't do it to a cisgender person, why on earth would you ask a transgender person what's in their pants? It's simply not your business. It's no one's business except the business of that trans person and anyone they choose to be partners with. I talked a little bit about dysphoria. I said how I didn't have much of it, but what some would find paradoxical, it's actually gotten somewhat worse over my transition. And the reason for that is pretty plain to see. It's because I'm running on estrogen. I'm running on the right fuel for my brain, it turns out, and I feel great. I feel not night and day, ah, yeah, I was blind, but now I see. It, it's, I feel much better. I definitely know this is right for me. At the same time, there's a weird increase in friction that occurs because now I feel correct. Now my, my bodily chemistry is a-okay, but people still don't see me in a way that is authentic to me, and that starts to wear after a while. The way that dysphoria will most often crop up for me is people misgendering me. I've already said it. It happens a decent amount because I sound like a dude. I look really androgynous, maybe feminine of center, but I sound like a guy, and I don't always make an effort to not sound like a guy, which is fine because I, I do like my voice. I don't mind affecting a more feminine-sounding voice, but I have no particular qualms with my normal voice. Misgendering doesn't usually bother me much, but every now and again, you kind of get a last straw situation, straw that broke the camel's back. For a couple of months, I was working as basically a, a barista. This day is one of my shifts. On May 19th, 2017, I wrote, It was at the end of my workday that really soured my mood. I made it through my hour as our sole support staff. My last order was a coffee to go. As I handed it to its recipient, he said, Thank you, sir. I think I've outlined the water torture analogy for misgendering. Being misgendered isn't that bad. It's one little blip. One little droplet in the middle of your forehead. For months after I started hormones, I didn't give a rat's ass what pronouns people used. 
Inevitably, they were he, him. And when I finally did swap in October, I became accustomed to correcting people, something I need to do often. No, one instance of misgendering is not a big deal, but after months, months of hormones and months of attempting to pass and months of droplets, it wears on a person. When that customer said, thank you, sir, I turned and walked back to the drink-making area. To no one in particular, I mouthed, stop calling me sir, I made a frustrated motion with tense hands. To my mild horror, the customer saw my motion. He must have developed some grasp of the situation because he apologized for his assumption. As best as I could, I waved him off and told him it was okay. I shoved myself into a corner, briefly tearing up, but not letting myself really cry while still at work. My friend told me to count my drawer, and I was out as soon as I could manage. By this point, I had missed my opportunity to cry, even though I very much still wanted to. I was later told by my friend who was working with me at the time that I apparently didn't actually mouth stop calling me sir, I might have said it quietly, so either the customer saw me or heard me, and to his credit, he understood what happened, he was very thoughtfully apologized, but that didn't really matter, the damage had been done. And I'm not saying that like, oh he should be really really sorry for that, because it's not his fault, it's not really any one person's fault, it just sucks. And every now and again, that happens. Speaking of every now and again, just one more time, but it's preceded by a slightly more comical story. I was hanging out with one of my friends at his apartment, we were playing magic, and he goes, and he's doing something, and he misgenders me. He uses the key to refer to me, and goes, ah, oh, you know, I was doing so well. I haven't screwed up in, like, a week. We need one of those workplace signs. Like, you know, it has been zero days since this site has had an industrial accident. We need, it has been zero days since Bryce has been misgendered. And, you know, we laughed about that. We moved on. It was cute. The next day, I'm hanging out with the same friend. I'm heading over to his apartment. I knock on the door, see it's unlocked. And as I do that, I hear, first, it's open, followed by, damn it, it's been zero days. So presumably, someone had made a statement of, who is it? Oh, it's Bryce. Oh, what's he doing here? Damn it. And that cemented the joke of, it has been zero days. And this is still a joke that I make with some of my close friends that are aware of it. Usually it will involve some number of us in conversation with another person who might misgender me, but not even register. Like they don't even think about that they use a wrong pronoun. And we give each other this subtle nod and say, it's been zero days. And even when we say that, people don't notice. It's cute. In any case... This also happened on a day that I was playing Magic. I was actually hosting a, a Magic hangout with some of my friends in a local metagame. I write, When the game ended, I lay on the floor discussing up to two of my friends the outcome of our game. While two of them ran a bit making fun of me, one of them pointed at me and said, You see that? He just tried to punch me! Just like with that poor sap in his coffee, this landed in the wrong place, especially after my stressful day. I shouted to no one in particular, It's been zero days! except a little more frustrated than that. And I retreated to my room, and my friend also retreated. I didn't have much of an urge to cry as last time, but I definitely squeezed out a tear or two. My boyfriend came immediately to my side, God bless him, to comfort me. Damn, is he nice. Once I had a minute or two to reassemble my wits, I went over to my friend. He needed a good minute or two longer. When he emerged, I saw that he had been crying too, and I mean properly crying, not the two stoic tears that got past me. He's always talking about trans issues that keep him up at night, but he really does care. And this moment of accidentally hurting me clearly got to him. We hugged for a good minute or so. 
I know this gives a very pessimistic view of some trans interactions and pronouns especially, but it's not all bad. Another magic-related instance, there's someone at one of our local game stores who I talk with all the time because I'm, I'm, you know, going to the store often and buying magic cards. Who would have guessed? And there was one day where I came out to him as trans kind of offhandedly. I was talking about an experience that related to being trans, and I, I wasn't really sure if I wanted to because I thought... This person's maybe a little more conservatively minded. I'm not sure if they'll accept this or if it will tarnish their idea of me. And eventually I said, whatever, I'll I'll say it. And I talked about being trans a little bit and, and moved on. And then later, in two separate instances, my roommates came to me and said, So I was I was at I was at one of our local game stores talking to the person that I that I just described. And every time that he accidentally misgendered you he, he was getting really frustrated He's like oh god i'm trying i really i really trying. i really want to get this right i really want to make sure she's comfortable and you know and give her that respect and that was so moving to me i've had a lot of positive experiences with with being trans like people have received me being trans well and you even get it from unexpected places this is not a person that i would have guessed just from assumptions that they would have been totally accepting but not only were they accepting they felt really bad for getting things wrong and that was very nice so now that i've spent well over half an hour talking your ear off with what it's like to be trans what's my point to be honest i'm not entirely sure the best point that i can muster here is that i am a member of the magic community i am just one person with a very particular set of experiences that some people share but Really, no one else on Earth is going to have quite the same experiences as I do. That's part of what I love about Magic. Putting aside that I think it's the best game in the world, and I said as much when I ranted about Spike during Unstable Spoilers a little bit before this whole news about Christine's Frankel broke. I love Magic. I want people to play it. I want this to be an inclusive community. And Magic players have as much of a personal narrative as I do. They're not all going to be transgender, and they're not all going to be pansexual, and they're not all going to be other forms of minorities, but every person has different experiences. Have you ever sat and thought about that? Have you ever looked at someone and said, all the stuff that I'm dealing with right now, whether it's depression or dysphoria or concern about your job or concern about relationships, it doesn't matter. Have you ever looked at someone and said, that person could easily be dealing with things just as stressful and problematic and deeply internal as I am? That's everyone. Everyone is dealing with something, and it doesn't matter if it's their girlfriend broke up with them, or there is a fundamental thing about their identity that isn't right, and they don't know how to fix it. Magic is a game that we can come together and play and enjoy, and it doesn't matter where we come from. If we know how to play Magic, that is a common language for us to interact. We have one very distinct point, then, that we enjoy, and I hate that there are people that come to magic and someone says, oh, this person who likes magic, they're not worth it. And they discriminate against them. They harass them. They, I don't know, mistreat them in some form. I wish I could stop it, but I can't. The most that I can do is try to lead by example. My name is Bryce Miller. I'm transgender. And I love magic. When I'm playing magic... The transgender part doesn't really matter. I mean, it does, but it doesn't. What matters is, I'm playing magic, and I'm enjoying playing magic. Whoever you are out there, you probably enjoy magic too. So share that.
take your own unique experiences and say, these are cool. These are a part of who I am. And I can engage with someone else over magic who have their own unique experiences. They don't need to separate you. At worst, ignore them. I don't think it's a good thing to ignore someone's identity, whether that's their gender, their race, their religion. It's not really nice to ignore that. It's ignoring a part of who they are or what might inform who they are. But when you're playing magic, that shouldn't be the most directly relevant thing. And it certainly shouldn't be something that you mistreat them for. But I can't force that change. So I'll get down off my soapbox and say, if you want to discuss this with me, if you want to share how you're making your magic community more inclusive, if you want to share just your unique experiences, what makes you, you, you can absolutely reach out to me. I'm on Twitter at walking underscore Atlas. My email address is info at opalnebula.com. Really, I would love to discuss this stuff with you. I don't have a solution. I don't know if there is one, but if we talk about it, maybe we can make it better.